Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown show. A show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Today, we're talking with Hannah Hartley and Diane Schultz. As the nation continues the celebration of LGBTQ Pride Month, we welcome this amazing activist couple to Collections by Michelle Brown. Both serve on the board of the Gender Identity Network Alliance, also known as GNA. Besides their commitment to the transgender community, Hannah and Diane share a special commitment to one another and plan to marry in 2017. The purpose of GNA is to create a positive social change supporting all forms of gender identity and expression through charitable, educational, and service works. It is for anyone who identifies as trans, transgender, gender nonconforming, gender variant, or those in the process of reassigning their gender. GNA hosts annual spring and winter potlucks, a weekly support group, the annual Transgender Day of Remembrance each November, and on June 24, 2017, they'll host the Transgender Day of Empowerment at Affirmation Center in Ferndale, Michigan. Established in 2005, GNA's activities are led by a board of directors headed by President and Chair Hannah Hartley. Hannah is an accomplished musician and composer. Before moving to Michigan, she lived in Cleveland, Ohio, and Los Angeles, California, where she owned a creative agency and recording studio. Upon moving to Michigan, she continued her marketing wizardry by joining Greenpath Wellness as digital marketing manager and webmaster. Also on the board, serving as secretary of GNA, is her partner, Diane Schultz. Diane grew up in Clarkston, Michigan. She competed in softball and gymnastics in middle and high school. She studied criminal justice at Michigan State University, which led to a 30-year career in law enforcement. During her career, she was a police officer, a sergeant, a lieutenant, and participated in union leadership for her fellow officers. Since her retirement, she has been in private practice as an investigator. Hannah and Diane joined Collections by Michelle Brown to share their individual stories, their journey as a couple, and how, in the midst of their exciting personal plans, they remain committed to the vision and mission of GNA and its work for Michigan's transgender, gender nonconforming, and gender variant community. 
to me. Ladies, welcome to the show. How are you this evening? Thank you, Michelle. You're wonderful. <laughs> How are you, hey. Michelle? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's great to have you here. Um, you know, I've gotten to know you through Gender Identity Network Association, which I'm well, going to use GNA. Um, yes. I didn't realize I was at, at the Transgender Day of Remembrance in 2016, where I found out that you two were engaged to be married, and that's really exciting. Um, so how does it feel to be engaged? I mean, you know, was it, I know that with marriage equality, many in the LGBTQ community, a lot just sort of like some rushed out immediately just to do it that day of and stood outside. But you two are, are doing it. You know, you're picking out the dresses, you're planning it. How does it feel to be engaged to the person you want to spend the rest of your life with? Well, Michelle, I have to start out on this one because even as you said that, I had a warmness and like but the whole butterflies and everything. Um, just as you said I that. I did as well. So I, I literally can't wait. But like you said, I want to do it. I want to experience all of it. I want to experience the things that... Um, I couldn't experience when I went through it in the, at the first time when I was married as mm-hmm. a guy. Um, you know, the guys kind of sit back and watch everything go by, and now I'm right in it. Now I'm involved in it, and I get to experience this whole thing from a totally different perspective, and it's fantastic. I love it. So, you know, Diane, that's so cool because people will say, well, you know, you've been married once, you know, what's the difference? And that you know, to understand that this was something you were sitting, like, on the sidelines. You were watching that movie of that part of your life. And now you're living it. Now I'm living it, yes. And you know what's funny, and I don't mean to jump ahead or change topics or anything, but mm-hmm. that concept, I don't think it's, in, in, my, in my experience, in my life, it's not as narrow as just about the wedding. It's about life. My life, I feel like I'm living it now. Mm. And I, I, I had a great life before. I was a wonderful person. But now I'm actually living it, and I feel every minute. And, I, and I'm looking forward to every minute. What about you, uh, Anna? Well, you know, I have all the same feelings that, that Diane does. And it, it does seem mm. like a dream to, you know, finally. <laughs> it feels like a dream, no matter what gender you are, when you find somebody, you're like, hey, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. I think... For me, the thing that was so amazing, you know, I, I was really happy in my, in my last marriage. And I had many dates throughout my life. But what's interesting is when I was finally able to accept the fact that I could say, yes, I am transgender, and I was able to remove that aspect of like almost a second layer to myself, Michelle, mm-hmm. it allowed me to love Diane in a way that I never could before because it was like, I wasn't translating who I was through another person. I could just be myself. And, you know, even though it took me a while to realize it, there was, there's no feeling of like, am I hiding something from somebody? Is mm. there a hidden anything? Because I think for a lot of us, you kind of go, hmm, I think something's up, but yeah, I'm not going to quite jump to the conclusion just yet. Maybe, maybe I can find another solution or another way around. Um, but now being with Diane, there's none of that. It's just me. And it's 
um, it's a way to communicate and be with her that I've never experienced before in my life. And I have to say for me that, yes, the wedding, the real traditional kind of wedding my dad's going to give me away, all that stuff, that's kind of a dream. Um, but the mm-hmm. reality of this real love with nothing between the two of us um, except the truth, that's definitely new and very powerful for me. So your dad's going to give you away. Yeah. That's exciting. Uh, so, Diane, who's going to give you away? Um, I, I don't think anybody is going to give me away. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious. And actually, Hannah and I have talked about this. Uh, we talked mm-hmm. about my son and my sister. And I told her, I said, that your dad's giving away is wonderful. It's sweet. I love that. But I said, I, I think I would like to come down the aisle and give myself to you. Um, because oh. I am my own person, and mm-hmm. I am making this decision, and this is what I want to do, and I'm giving myself to you. Um, that kind of means a lot to me. So that is I, I, I guess I'm I guess I'm giving me away. You know, I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I sort of like that. You know, I mean, what I hear from you, what you're saying, and, you know, I hear both parts. And what I hear, but especially with what you were saying, Diane, which is like it's not just about the dresses and the invitations and who's going to walk it on. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Hannah alluded to that also. It's like this is that person that I am, you know, right here. You could be standing naked in front of me, but you'd be naked and unashamed because you love each other completely. This is, this is it. You're naked in your emotions and your feelings. It's nothing like, well, if I let her know about this, she's going to turn and run. You know, if I let her know about this, she's going to go think different of it. It's like you're saying, here I am. Yes. And what it's true. <clears throat> so how did you two meet? Well, well you uh, know, go, <laughs> go okay, ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll take a crack at it. And Diane, stop me if I mess this up. Believe it or not. <laughs> no, you, you'll be fine. Go for it. Well, I laugh, Michelle, because it's like we met at a trans support group. And, I mean, I have to laugh because from the minute that I met Diane, I was just intrigued by her because, number one, she was much more put together than, I. well, I'll just say myself. And, you know, we sort of all went out and had a bite to eat afterwards. And and I remember sitting there and thinking, so how long ago did you transition, Diane? You know, like a few years ago, and she's like, uh, no, this is like my first time like this out. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, so we decided to swap, uh, you know, sort of phone and email and that kind of stuff. But I had written the things down all incorrectly. And so Diane <laughs> thought that I didn't really want to connect with her. And it turns out that I went back to our local center affirmations. And I was basically trying to ask everyone there if they knew Diane, you know, if they knew this lady named Diane. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. So we finally met up and we literally became best friends. And um, mm. for the next year while we went through, you know, a second puberty together, basically I confessed all of my dating secrets and sins and goofball behavior to Diane while she watched me. Um, and I think it was about a year later, I was sitting in the living room and looked at her and said, Diane, I, I think I love you. I, I really would love to go out on a date. And she looked at me and said, I, you know, Hannah, I'm not sure you love yourself. You know, what's up with this guy you've been seeing? And I'm like, what? What did, you, what did you just say? So she said, you know, maybe if you can bring some things together. And I said, okay. Like what, a couple weeks maybe, you know, pull myself together. And she's like, oh, Hannah, she Hannah, She did Hannah. like to put and timelines on things. Yeah. So 
you know, needless to say, it wasn't too long after that that we moved in together, and um, we're still absolute best friends, but um, we're really looking forward to being wife and wife uh, within a few months. So, yes, we are still best friends. And while she was, while I was her confessor, I guess, about all of the people that she'd been dating and all of the questions she had, um, that, that actually brought us even closer. We became, we literally became best of friends, um, telling each other everything. So when we entered into a, a dating relationship, there was no guesswork. We knew each other very, very well. And, and honestly, yeah. that, was, that was a wonderful place to start. Yeah, Michelle, there was no chance to back up. You know like how sometimes when you date people, you always want to put that best foot forward, make that best. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd already basically dumped the laundry all over the living room for a year, so <laughs> it was kind of like, you're kind of like, okay, this just is not going to happen. But luckily for me, um, you know, it worked out. So Now, Diane, I have a grown son, and it's yes. one thing for people when I date. But when, you know, you start to get serious, about someone, and you're like very serious, you know, where you're moving at your point like I'm in love, and we're going to get married. I know that my son, you know, it's interesting, it's like I have sometimes feel like, wait a minute, I'm the mother, you're the kid. What was your son's impression of Hannah, and was he like, okay, I think it's it, or did he say like, hey, mom, you know, take a moment, be careful, let's check her out. Um, My son actually met Scott, who is Hannah's predecessor, I guess you'd say, um, when Hannah I moved out of the day I moved out of the house, so it wasn't under very good circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after everything evolved, and and I had uh, I had already um, talked to my son and explained everything to him, and he finally I he finally asked, "Hey, can I come over to visit?" And I said, yeah, you can come over to visit. And I said, you know, Hannah's going to be here. And I said, yeah. He said, that's fine. Um, and he came over and just kind of the first meeting, they were just kind of like ships passing in the night. And mm-hmm. then the next time he actually, I asked if he would help us move, and he did. And they worked together. They talked together. At the end of the day, they even hugged. And uh, uh, my son was going up to Hannah and saying, here, no, no, let me get that box. That's a heavy box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I asked him if he would come to my wedding or our wedding, and he looked at me and said, absolutely, and mm. smiled, um, that was kind of like the telling point right there that, yeah, I, I think I think he's going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. So Hannah, did he pull you aside and said, don't break her heart? <laughs> no, you know, I'm just glad he's talking to me because honestly, it's um, just the way everything transpired. Um, and then I think the first few times that I saw him, I was probably even stranger than he was because I was just so nervous. And um, I think it was <laughs> as I was standing in the trunk, like or the truck half hunched over with this giant box, and he picked it up out of my hand. And he's like, "I'll take the other side." He's like, "You want to go together?" And I'm like, mm. Okay, yeah, let's go. And I could just see Diane smiling, and I'm like, okay, okay, this is okay. So, <laughs> and, and since that my date, he's gotten a hold of us and said, hey, can I come over and hang? And he's come over, true. and we've we've had a fire and just sat out and talked, and uh, you know, had dinner and just just kind of hung out. And it's it's been very very special, quite normal. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever whatever that is, right? Yeah, yeah whatever that is, <laughs> you know, whatever that is. Now, um, can I, I know, but I have watched you transition at work, you know, through your through your post on Facebook, yeah. and I know that um, one time, right after the election, and I hope that you could, if you could remember, if you could share what that was. We yeah. talked about what it was like to go into that office that day, and if you could. Talk about that, but also I've heard you other times talk about how you coming into your own, becoming your authentic real self and that acceptance. So could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think that, look, something I think that a lot of trans people probably experience from time to time is there are times when you feel, I guess I would say complete, and then there are times when you feel like, God, I don't know who I am or, you know, and and you might be out and you might be just having, I call it like a dysphoric Monday. And when people begin to relate to you as a male or as a female when you're out, sometimes it'll catch you off guard. Um, now, what's interesting, I had the luxury, I guess you could say, the luxury of working in a place where when I sort of said, hey, I'm going to come back, I'd like to come back this way, is this a possibility? I fully expected to be let go. But the exact opposite happened. They actually embraced me. Um, and, and they helped me kind of learn to stand on my feet and come back and said, we're still going to just, you know, if we judge you, we're going to judge you on the quality of your work like anybody does when you work somewhere. Um, it's, it's about the work. It's not about you. And so you go back and you begin to make friends. And, and it's interesting, but it's like certain life events change things. And we had the coming out of sort of like, I guess you could say like a media event, Caitlyn Jenner. And I'm not here to comment on, like, anything that's transpired after, but at that moment, what it did was kind of put a spotlight on transgender. Well, it's kind of interesting. The last election kind of did the same thing in a little bit of a different kind of way um, because what it also did was, um, one, kind of opened some people's hearts and maybe opened some people to discussion. Another one allowed people to, at the very least, I'll just say, opened themselves up to bring up some of their vices or their, I guess you could say their prejudices. I don't want to go as far as saying hatred, but, you know, we'll just leave it at that. And, of course, when you work with people day in and day out, you begin to know kind of where people stand on that spectrum. And I happen to work closely with somebody who's, you know, fairly religious and pretty, I, I figured was just a conservative Trump supporter, Honestly, I didn't really bring up politics because I thought, you know what, they're, you know, I'm pretty sure they're with the Catholic Church, and I, I just need not go here. So you're right, Michelle. The day that I came back after the election, it was one of the very first days in a long time that I began to think, like, oh, God, I wonder if this is going to change anything. I wonder if anybody will be so emboldened and emblazoned to say something to me. And I got to tell you, I was really fearful. And if there's one thing I've learned is too many times in, I call it in trans land, you can let your fear get the better of you and really begin to steer you in a direction that maybe you shouldn't be going. So I went in, put all my stuff down, sat down like normal. And here comes this lady into my, into my area and sits down in my office. And I thought, huh, well, this was quick. This is really going to get things uh, off to a rock and start this morning. And she looks at me and she says, Hannah. And I said, yeah, how are you? She's like, 
I just want to let you first know I didn't vote for him. And I have talked to my kids about what it means to be accepting. You know, you know that typically people in my religion aren't always, we're not always accepting of, of trans people, but my family knows about you. And then she continued to talk about, and, and she goes, my son, you know, he, he, he thinks you're a good person and we don't have any problems with you. And I've taught my family that it's not all right to discriminate against people just because they're different, because different isn't always bad. And I got to tell you, Michelle, I literally, I went from barely able, be, barely being able to breathe and kind of coiled up mm-hmm. to slumped in my chair and crying and going, huh, crap, here I am full of rage, anger about national things that have happened. And I tend to forget that every day that I show up and I'm myself inside an environment, it gives other people the permission to show up and be themselves. And it also mm-hmm. can become a tool to educate others, even though I'm not standing on the stump going, trans people, because trans people need to do this, and you need it. And it kind of woke me up to think, you know, I always tell people, hey, you got to be, you have to have an ambassador mindset sometimes, because mm-hmm. there's still so few of us that are like just totally open to the world, um, like wherever they go, that... Um, you might be the very first transgendered person that someone meets. And, and I guess the thing is most, I'd say 95% of the time I've passed the test, but every now and then I've, I've not done the greatest. But, you know, if, for us to get angry, to go off on somebody, to yell, to whatever, you know, that's how the other person on their first, it's like meeting a person from space. Their first contact is like, I mean, hell, there's some, like, angry, mad trans woman. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. that's not the thing that you want to leave behind. Um, subsequent, you know, subsequently, Michelle, that lady came back and talked to me recently, and she was talking to me about how some people in her family are wrestling with the fact that trans people are not really in alignment with, like, a religious ideology, but they really, they're starting to meet other trans people at their ages in the teens and things like this. Um, and they're deciding to kind of stand with the trans people because they're like, they just seem like anyone else. And, you know, that part of that humanity, that she came in there and she did that, and your response was not, yes, I am a trans person and you just need to, or, or you weren't being no. secure, you weren't being angry. You were touched. And to the point, like you said, you cry. And that, that humanity, like sometimes I'm saying, you're not going to change, we're not going to change hearts and minds. But sometimes being human, that moves people to be closer to their own humanity. And it sounds like that's what it did. So the next time she heard someone say that, she remembered Hannah, that person, who she well, works and, with. And see, and I think that's, Michelle, that was very eloquently said, by the way, but, you know, Diane and I always talk about you got to stand out for the right reason, which a lot of people might say, oh, what, it's looking hot, it's being beautiful. No, 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 no. It's none of those things. It's just being an excellent human being. Um, And that is a tough thing to do, um, particularly Mm -hmm. when people are being hateful. I think that... um, I don't know what Diane can say or how she's experienced it, but I can tell you, Michelle, that I, I wasn't prepared um, 
that it's not something you can take on and take off. When mm-hmm. you take over the, to the, you kind of, I didn't, you know, when I was part-time, meaning, you know, sometimes Hannah, sometimes Scott, I could be the guy when I needed to be and be, you know, the, the woman when I needed to be. Um, truthfully, I was always Hannah, and I've, I've kind of figured that out now as time has gone by, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I didn't realize that when you're somebody that's a, like a disenfranchised, marginalized person, um, you don't get a choice when that moment shows up that you're going to be on the blunt end of that stick. And it could be anywhere from the doctor to housing to at the checkout mm-hmm. at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I think living as a white male, I had no idea what I was in for. I really mm. did not. Um, because the thing is, it was like, I, you know, I, that simply didn't really happen to me before. Mm-hmm. I hate to say that, but it's, uh, it's the truth. And it, it's really different. So, but, but in, Diane, in I, I want to ask you, you are in a profession I mean, which hasn't always been friendly to those of us who are the other, whether you're a person of color, whether you're trans, whether you're, you're gay. And so you had traversed that and had retired from that. And yes. I imagine, I mean, I, if I, just hearing Hannah talk about it and thinking about you and knowing how people can be, you must have been terrified for her. Um, actually, actually, I wasn't really terrified for her, um, because I, as she was saying moments ago about how she will respond to, to aggression or verbal aggression, um, I know she can, can, can talk, uh, Mm -hmm. to people and she can explain herself and, um, she's respectful and she's not going to dig herself into a hole. Um, and she's like you had said, you can't go and, and demand that, no, you need to do this and you need to call me that. Um, you can't beat somebody over the head for acceptance. Um, you grab them by the hand and very gently and you try to get them to come with you. And I know that's what she would do even if she was in a one-on-one situation with, let's say she got on a traffic stop um, mm. with a police officer. And I and I and I actually that has happened in the last couple of years, and I know that's exactly what she did. Um, she was able to to just present herself as as herself, very honestly and very openly, and uh, there was mutual respect on each of her each of her um, contacts with law enforcement. And I, I I I think I wasn't scared because. I know Hannah, and I know she. I know her abilities. I know her verbal abilities, and and I know she can handle herself that way. I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she I, was I, terrified. I, yes, she was. Mm-hmm. Oh, that she was. Um, I had confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, how was it for you? I mean, because did you come out? Uh, or tra- to really start to go through your biggest part of your transition after your retirement from law enforcement? Yes, I did. Um, mm-hmm. I actually started um, started hormones before I retired, which mm-hmm. got everybody to that I worked with wondering if I was sick because I lost about 30 pounds of muscle. Um, I was very gaunt. 
Um, and uh, a lot of people thought I were sick. I was sick. Um, I did come out to select people before I retired, like months before I retired, um, one of those being our department chaplain, um, who I actually never spoke to me again. Um, and uh, I was told that uh, in his church that um, my uh, status as a transgender woman can be forgiven. Um, yeah. I said, that's, that's not what I'm looking for, uh, is forgiveness, because I don't believe this is anything inherently sinful. I, I, I came out to everybody, came out to the entire department two weeks before I retired, um, because I respected these people enough that I wanted to tell these people face-to-face. I've worked with them for up to 30 years. Um, and I wanted to tell them face-to-face what was going on in my life. Uh, I didn't want them to hear it through the grapevine. And I wanted to give them a chance to ask questions if they, if they wanted um, or shun me if they wanted. That was fine, too. But at least they had the chance uh, to interact and learn and grow and, and accept uh, if that was what they wanted to do. Well, I have to tell you, one of the things when I see you two together, and I and like, and I look at because I I follow Hannah, there's there's a joy. You two seem like you have a good time together. You laugh, you joke. I mean, you're happy together, and it's like, it's funny. Like when you want to say, well, if I were to introduce you normally, I would just say, well, this is Diane and Hannah, and they're about to get married. And you know, the joy that you have, the love that you have. It's just the love that two people have. And, and the fact that someone would, would say, oh, well, but, you know, they're trans women, and like that somehow either that might taint it or somehow other you, you might need forgiveness or something. That, or the worst one that pisses me off is that you want people to tolerate you. I mean, that's just like so <laughs> foreign to me. You know, it's just like so foreign to me because what you have, I mean, many people need to, to look at this is like healthy okay this is a relationship you, you were friends you know each other you were able even though that hannah was terrified you had faith in her you believed in her you knew who she was and i know that if something had gone wrong you've been there quick fast and in a hurry but you knew she could handle that and yeah how empowering even, is even when she didn't mm-hmm. even when she didn't know it i knew it i i, I agree with you and it is very empowering in a relationship. Um, and, you know, from, from watching Hannah's Facebook page, and I, she is the Facebook person in this relationship. I dabble. Um, <laughs> and that's, that, seriously, I dabble, and that's mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have fun. We have fun. And it's almost like we look at each other and want to pinch each other because, it's, seriously, we're still best friends. We still get along. I, I tell her, Hannah, I love you. My God, I even like you. Um, and and I it's do. True. I like her. You know. Um, and talking about helping one another, Michelle, we're always there for each other. I think about the very first day of my job as I went as Hannah. My hardest thing was actually getting to work. The power was out in the house because of a big storm, so I was trying to put makeup on by candlelight. Diane lit her hair on fire with one of the candles. I was such a nervous wreck driving to work that I'd crashed my car. And it's like, so I got to work early as requested by the managers, kind of showed up in their offices, and they looked at me, and they're like, I could see them just kind of staring at me, like, wow, she looks like she's been up for 10 hours already. And I was like, you know, Diane had to come meet the tow truck for the car and all this kind of stuff. But the bottom line was, 
work was the easy part. It was all of the, again, for me, it was my own fear in those beginning early days. And Diane was there and helping every step of the way. So, you know, they always say behind every good woman is another good woman. And um, <laughs> in my case, mm-hmm. that's really true. Because um, we've say. really been yeah. there for each other. But I hear what you're saying. A lot of people do ask, so does does one of you think that you're actually a girl then in the relationship? I know. And I don't even... I don't even know where to start other than saying, actually, we're both a girl, thanks, and just you kind of move on. Yeah. So, like, who's going to – are you both going to wear dresses or who's going to wear a dress? And, you know, oh, God. And, and, I mean, it's like, what does it have to do with anything? And it's sort of like you want to put everything in boxes, and that we don't – we are people, and we don't fit in a box. You both opted it, to wear dresses. But if you both opted to wear, you know – Whatever, sure. Taxes. I mean, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. People tend to to think, and I can I think that sometimes, since we've gotten marriage equality, the thing that sometimes bothers me is that you have people who, it's like we're trying to conform to like this little. They have the bride and the groom, or you know, and it's like no. Well, celebrate it, the it, uniqueness it, of our relationship. Yes, and out of out of the out of the whole gamut of things that you can do. Uh, for weddings and at weddings and all that, we're, we're picking and choosing. We're saying, yeah, we like this. We don't like that. We're saying, yeah, Hannah wants her dad to walk her down the aisle. I don't want anybody to walk me down the aisle. We both mm-hmm. want dresses. We're, we're, we're picking and choosing what we want and because it's our day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, regardless of any box. And, you know, and I think that, that that to me was what I really wanted out of marriage equality, not for the LGBT community to buy into the, the wedding industrial complex. It's for us to yeah. do it our way, you know, for us to do it our way. Yes, so. and I think that's well, the, really what it comes down to. My thing is, um, I guess the one thing I've really learned in this relationship, I mean, I would have told you that I believed this prior to this relationship, but now I know it, which is, Love knows no gender. I mean, it really mm-hmm. doesn't. You, when you love somebody, you simply love them. Um, end of story. And um, yes, and yeah. and if you let yourself open, if you open your mind and open your heart to that possibility that love knows no gender, then it's it's amazing what can happen. Um, I when I when. Well, well, you oh, know, I was, was going to say, I think the part where you say that love has no gender, and how important is that, not only in marriage, but as we start to, and you see people who are having children, and your children are coming out either as LGBTQ all the way, and that you recognize that a healthy child, love has no gender. You're supposed to love your child. So the more that we say, Love has no gender, not in who we marry, not in who we love, not in our children. Love has no gender. Love is love. We'll be so much better. I agree. Absolutely. Yes. So with that, we're going to take our first break, and we'll be right back with Diane and Hannah here on Collections by Michelle Brown.
This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. Well, we're back. So getting to know someone new, dating, building a relationship, you know, um, transitioning, all of these are a lot of things to have on your plate. And then you go and become activist. You get involved with with an organization and and you're taking it out there and you're speaking about, transgender issues, did it ever come to you like, why are we doing this? You know, I mean, uh, we've got to figure out how to get our house together and, and just be a couple. But what made you decide that, you know, we can do that, but we also need to do something bigger? Well, I know for me, I, I never intended to be any kind of an activist, and I don't know if I really consider myself an activist. Um, I got into all of this simply because I wanted to help people. I wanted to give back. Um, I know I got a lot of support from the transgender community and the LGBTQ community um, to allow me to be me. Mm. And once I got my feet on the ground, I wanted to give back. And I wanted to give back. Any, I said, you know, I, I even told him, I don't care if I'm in the basement licking envelopes. I'm going to help. Um, I want to help and give back. And then one thing led to another, and now, now we're, we're doing we're a lot more than looking. We're still in envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> it's very glamorous. Yes, it is so, very glamorous. So, Hannah, what, what got you? I mean, you know, because, I mean, you've been on television. I mean, you're there speaking. You're doing these things. I mean, you've taken a very public role. What made you decide that, you know, all of this and I must take on this role for my sisters and brothers? Well, you know, I believe, I really, really believe that, um, okay, I'll get to that in a minute. I guess part of it was, you know, when I first got involved, somebody said, hey, you know, I'm part of this thing called GNA. We have this thing called Transgender Day of Empowerment. You want to be involved? And I was like, well, I guess I could be. And as we began to talk about it, I was like, well, you know, you need to do this. If you, what, what's the press release? Well, oh, there's no press release. Okay. Well, what's the, we need some of the, well, how many people come? Oh, we could get twice as many. And then it was just kind of like, hey, why don't you come and check out another meeting? And I'm sitting in this meeting saying, I don't care. It's just a very laissez-faire attitude. And they're like, so this is what we're doing and this is the, and I was like, no, you guys, I think that we could do it differently. And, you know, you start, and people are like, who, who are you? And did anybody invite you here? And you're like, well, I, would, I just want to help out. And they're like, please leave. And I'm like, what? 
you don't tell me to leave. I thought this was a community thing. And they were like, ma'am, please, bye-bye. Then you're scratching your head. And I was on my way out the door one day, and I was like, you know what? Screw all this community stuff. I think I'd had it. And uh, Darnell, uh, Darnell Jones, and also Michelle had kind of both each kind of grabbed an arm of mine and yanked me back at the door, and they said, where are you going? And I said, I'm done. I said, this is crazy. I said, I, I have a life to live. This, And they were like, well, we could really use some more help, and we kind of like what you had to say. Would you like to be involved a little bit deeper? Well, you know, well, we can make that happen. And I said, okay. And I think it was like a week later I showed up to a meeting, and the first time I really got to meet Michelle Fox, it must have snowed like a foot. And this was back in the days when I'm still wearing super high heels and just really, <laughs> let's just say, not appropriate for the weather. It's like, you know, 10 degrees, and, I'm, and I fell down into the snow with my thing oh. scraping off the front of my car that still had the California plates from, you know, Los Angeles. And Michelle's like, let me guess. You're Hannah, aren't you? And I'm like, I am. I said, I said we met briefly. She goes, yeah, I know, Hannah. She goes, let me help you up. And um, really what began from there was, I began to see people come back from some of the things that we were doing directly that were like people had gotten jobs and people had gotten a home. And I was also getting discriminated against trying to get a home and I couldn't get a home. I couldn't get a doctor. I couldn't get medicines and my IDs were all screwed up. And you start to go, wow, I'm not helping other people. Crap, I'm, I'm the other people now. I, I've got to help. And it's like the only way this is going to get better, maybe I could get involved. And as I did, what was interesting, Michelle, is for me, what I love so much about GNA is there's a lot of organizations that are political. Some are all about the money. Some are all about, you know, this cause or that cause. But GNA is all about reaching back into the trans community within the metro Detroit area to try and improve the lives of trans people right here. And I guess for me, that's where the help really seems to be needed. And it seems to be a good fit for me personally and also for Diane because and, and the two of us just started being involved in every event. <laughs> and I, and um, then over time, it just kind of grew and grew. And you were saying, did we ever wonder, you know, like, what are we doing? We can't get the house together, yet we're in past our neck on all this. Other. I'd say that's happening right now, actually, as we're thinking about getting married. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, there's still so much work to be done. And there's still so much real need of people being just things basic needs are so inaccessible um, for so many trans people whether it's inside themselves or whether it's they're really being discriminated against and it's all over the map Um, and we certainly don't claim to have any you know fix for the universe that's for sure so I think that um, for us it's just we can't stop helping if we can at least help or change literally one person's life along the way it kind of keeps us going. Yes. So, and with, say, with the political climate right now, mm-hmm. it, it's I mean it's even more so. Um, we, as as a community, um, and and as a trans trans individuals, we need to be empowered within ourselves so we can go out and and achieve and succeed whatever our definition of success is. Um, but we can't just crumble in on ourselves. And that's what a lot of um, the current political pushes tend to do to people, is just destroy them. And gosh, organizations like GNA and other like organizations are more important than ever. 
um, to help people keep going and be part of communities. So, look, Hannah, the first time when they said, okay, Hannah, Fox 2 needs someone to go on there, what were your thoughts? Did you go like, oh, hell no, or like, okay, what am I going to say? And how do you move the conversation beyond Trans 101? Um, well, I guess first of all, I said, you know, it was sort of like jump up and down. Yes, they called me wonderful. Oh, my gosh. And I said, yes. And then you hang up the phone and you're like, oh, God, it says Fox. And, you know, I'm going to be talking to people from the AFA. Mm-hmm. And you know that they're probably going to call you a man, all this other stuff. And you think, well, mm-hmm. okay. And at the time, you know, go figure. They were talking about bathroom issues, which everybody's still talking about today. Mm-hmm. And they love to bring all these things home about safety and everything else. And all I could think about is, you know, all of the comments and things aside, I thought, I'm going to take one point with me, which is, as far as I know, unless something's changed recently, there's not one case of someone that's transgender doing something illegal or felonious to another individual inside a public bathroom. There's all kinds of cases of it going the other way. And I was going to basically sit and talk about that. And I also knew that, you know, they also love to talk about, you know, okay, well, you can't have a child, Hannah, so you're not female. Well, that's a pretty easy one to respond to. I mean, there are a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of women I know in the world that can't have kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you sit and you listen to that, but at the end of the day, illogically, you, you think, well, did it make any difference or not? Now, for me, and the reason I went back a second time, you know, was because it was like I was stopping in a, um, in a gas station to get gas somewhere, and the guy was like, oh, my God, you're that trans lady that was on Let It Rip yesterday. You were good. You know, I got a cousin, and she's a lesbian. And then he just went on this whole story, and, and, and you're just sitting there, and you're thinking, okay, somebody does watch this. Somebody does pay attention. Um, and it does make differences for people. Um, and I think, I hope to God that it shows somebody somewhere that uh, trans woman on TV is it's not quite as sensational as maybe they had hoped for either. Mm-hmm. So. Now, well, you know, now, and I think too that it, in doing it, as like, you know, if you say, okay, no, it's more than about the bathroom issue, but like you said, you, you stated perfection and then you move on. And I think that often that people don't recognize the level of discrimination and all the other things, you know, the uh, workplace issues, uh, health care, all of these other things that are very real issues. And to be able to have that form going into it, because I know you also spoke before the Society of Human Resources Management. Yeah. What were, the, were some of the questions there? I mean, hopefully that they got beyond, you know, what do we do with the bathrooms? But yeah, we, what some of there's the, the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And there's a, well, you know, if you're called he or she, a quick correction will work. Um, but, you know, people had asked, well, you talked about insurance, you know, any health care discrimination. And there was one time, Michelle, that I was very sick in the middle of the night, went to a hospital. And not only would they not help me, but I had a doctor harassing me so hard, I actually left the hospital and paid for a cab to take me to another hospital. And then, mm-hmm. of course, went back to hospital number one, and we taught diversity training to everybody there because 
I, you know, I've had questions in the workplace such as, do you feel better now that they let you come back wearing a dress? And you're mm. just like, oof. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, and for my guess is for the most of the listeners, Michelle, they understand what's wrong with that. But the thing is, it, it, it's not about wearing a dress, you know. You have other things where maybe somebody wouldn't address you by a name in an email, but they always did before, and they'd leave, you know, five blank spaces for your name in a comma. What do you do when that person's a manager? How do you delicately handle these issues? Because honestly, you can't really just stomp around heavy-footed and yell at people. I get a lot of flack for this, but one of my things is that, you know, I talk about that whole standing out for the right reasons thing. It does put a heavy onus on us to really try to develop ourselves as people as we go through this process. Because I got to tell you, Michelle, I am a lot better person than I was before I started all of this. Um, and I'm a lot more diplomatic and a lot more clever and a lot more willing to take some time to work with people. And at the end of the day, I also have to understand that if my coworkers called me he, or they might have called me Scott when I put you and said, hey, I have a question for you, Scott, I'd respond by going, hey, he's not here, but I know where I, I, know where I can get his attention if you need it. Um, it took me 40 years to come to grips with the fact that I'm transgender. So... I should give my coworkers probably a little bit of time to get used to this after they've been living with me as Scott. Same thing mm-hmm. with my parents. Um, mm-hmm. I took my dad and I almost a year and a half to come back together. Um, not that he ever just stomped out, but he kind of looked at me in the beginning days and said, you know, I don't really buy what you're doing. I don't believe in it, but I will be there because I'm your dad. Okay. You know, post-transition, I was sitting with mm-hmm. him one morning and I was like, Dad, I think I made a big mistake. I don't know what I did. I, I, and he looked at me and he smacked me on the head and he goes, are you kidding me? He goes, Hannah, even I know you need to be Hannah. He goes, I'm starting to think you are always Hannah. He goes, you got to get out of here and get yourself to the office before it's too late. He goes, I love you, kid. See you later. Mm-hmm. But honestly, Diane. Mm-hmm. Diane helped me have that ability to wait. Seriously, she, mm-hmm. she, she brought out a lot of the patience in me. Yeah, now, you know, Diane, you had a long career in law enforcement. And one of the things that, that to me gets lost in this conversation when someone sees someone who's been transitioned and they go like, oh, and they want to start from the day you transitioned and talk to you about what bathroom you go to or are you going to wear a dress, and they forget that here you have 30 years experience in law enforcement. And that experience you could help other police uh, people in law enforcement know how to uh, be respectful to transgender people, to understand some of the issues. Do you, have you ever been asked to do any type of consulting or, you know, what are your thoughts on what would help law enforcement people? What should they keep in mind when working with the transgender community? Well, I, we have, at GNA, we have discussed that type of training and getting into that type of training in, in not only local but county and, and state law enforcement um, and what would help um, law enforcement understand is to let them know that first, we're, we're, not, all, <clears throat> we're, not, we're not all about sex, um, mm-hmm. we're not all anti-police, um, we are mostly like, like, well, we're like any other segment of the population. 
um, we have good people, we have bad people, we have better people, we have, you know, some people that, that commit crimes and some people that are upstanding and just like everybody else and just treat us like everybody else and we'll treat you with respect um, if we get the respect. And that is um, training and good advice for anybody going across the board, whether you're black, white, purple, pink with polka dots, transgender. Um, they just have to go back to the basics of respond to threats, don't respond to an individual. And sometimes that gets lost. Sometimes people see a threat in an individual because of what they've heard or, or um, stereotypes um, when they really should, they need to go back to looking for the threat and not expecting it just because of an individual. Now, you know, one of the realities is that some members of the transgender community are sex workers. And there's yes. a lot of discussion as to, like, uh, decriminalizing sex work, understanding what they're doing, and because someone is a sex worker doesn't mean that they are a criminal. Um, there's GNA, how, and you know, and unfortunately, sometimes when some of our sisters are murdered, people will throw up like, "Oh, well, you know, they did that," and that that's still no reason for someone to be murdered. No reason to be murdered because you're trans. No reason to be murdered because you're a sex worker. You know, lives matter. But how does, within uh, GNA, do you address that? I mean, if someone comes in and they, and they come in, this is their, their past. This is what they're doing. This might be where they are now. They don't know what they want to do. How does GNA be inclusive for the entire community, even those who, who might not have traditional jobs, who might be sex workers? Well, it, I'm actually glad you asked that. Just last week, we had four board members of GNA actually at our home um, sitting or talking about um, an upcoming event and looking at doing exactly that, reaching out to get more people and get even, even uh, a, a more diverse population to come and use our services and see if what we offer can help them. Because um, we, if if anybody comes in and says, "Hey, you know, I don't know where I am. I I don't know where I want to go," and and we'll say, "Well, let's talk about it." And as we talk through exactly and find out where they are and what they're looking to do. But most times we can help the, help a person um, with either with references or um, different ideas or just self improvement and say you matter you matter it doesn't matter what your job is you matter you have to you have like like the story Hannah told as I said I, you know sweetie you don't even love yourself how can you love me and this is the same thing with everybody if you don't love yourself it's difficult to move forward and get to where you want to be if you don't love yourself. And that's all part of the self-esteem building. And that's when GNA offers the days of empowerment and then like a day of artivism will be coming up to showcase the creativity of transgender people 
And, well, before, um, before we talk about that, I want to take one quick break, and then I want to talk about some of the programs and the things that you're doing at GNA. So we'll be right back with Hannah and Diane here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. Well, we're back. You know, and you had just started to talk about these programs. And, you know, one of the things that I also sense about it before we go into the programs is that, you know, we know that some of us have are able to have relationships with our families. Some of us don't. I mean, I know that I have worked with, um, like, the Ruth Ellis Center. I've worked with other shelters to where basically the kids or the young people they don't have that relationship, and either they're couch surfing for some place to live, uh, they get into yeah. risky behavior, or even if they go to a shelter that it doesn't hasn't had training with LGBTQ issues, even their best efforts to protect a queer youth can put that youth at risk. And one of the things that that GNA does, GNA does a few things that make it like a family. And, you know, I think that before we go into the days of the you do dinners at a time when I think that, you know, when people are like, you know, at a rough time of year. Can you talk about those, those dinners that you do and who comes and what's it look like? I you know, would love to talk about those if I can, Hannah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. The... Every year, GNA puts out a an Easter brunch, a Thanksgiving dinner, and a Christmas dinner. And we do those on those specific holidays, even though they're not um, wrapped up in uh, the religion of that holiday. Um, it is not about Easter. We've talked about making it a, a spring brunch and a winter dinner because we want everybody to feel welcome and everybody to be comfortable. But a lot of people on those days, because of their religion, current or past religion, simply have nowhere to go on a very special day to them. So that's why we do it on those days. But we want everybody to come. We want and, and we, we welcome everybody and uh, they are billed, I guess, as potlucks. And we encourage people to bring their favorite dish and share it with everybody else. Um, but even if they don't bring something, there's plenty to eat, and we provide as much as we possibly can. Um, and we have, gosh, the last dinner we had, it was people from five years old to 80 years old. We mm. had families that come came in and, and enjoyed um, conversing and, and meeting everybody. We've had allies, transgender people, um, gender queer, it doesn't matter. Everybody is welcome and everybody is welcome. I'd just like to add, 
Michelle, it's been interesting that um, Michelle Fox Phillips started these a while back in her home when there was nowhere to go. And I know that since my involvement with GNA, like from the beginning to like today, I have to say that they're a lot more happy overall when you would come or or a little bit more celebratory. Um, And it's nice to see some of the people that are so alone actually begin to smile and actually partake of the day. Um, And it really is truly open to the whole LGBTQ community. Um, And I think one of the funny things is when I stop and think about it, you know, and how we had gotten involved in it initially, it's because we were also people that have nowhere, we had nowhere to go in the beginning Mm -hmm. um, for holidays. So, you know, for us, it was not only um, giving back, but it was a chance for us to spend holidays with people. And I'm happy to say it continues to turn into something more each year. Yes, it does. That's great. That's great. So we have our holiday potlucks, which might become seasonal, but just know about those times of year, you know, if you're looking, there, there's a place for you. There's a seat for you at the table. What oh, other you bet there is. As we say about it on Facebook, if you just type in GNA. Okay. So the program. And now I know... I didn't realize that you played the piano and played it so beautifully <laughs> until it was at a transgender day of remembrance. And I was like, Hannah's playing the piano. Go ahead, Hannah. Yeah. I, well, I know it's like when you tell people, oh, I can play the piano, and they kind of look at you like, huh, yeah, okay, we've heard uh, chopsticks before. I'm like, no, no, like, really? I, 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 like, I, there's a lot of things I can't do, but this is one I can do. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, we... So- um, Oh, go ahead, Michelle. No, I mean, so tell us about some of some of the things that you do besides Transgender Day of Remembrance. And what I like is that you do things other than Transgender Day of Remembrance. It is important that it's we true. have that. And we recognize the people that have lost their lives. But the other programs, to me, celebrate life. And so it's, can you um, tell us about them? Yeah, we have, like... For the, I guess you could say the antithesis to the Day of Remembrance, we have the Day of Empowerment. And really it's about empowering all the inside aspects of what it means to be transgender. Um, I want to circle back around what you're talking about. I don't know if we'll get consensus. I'll actually bringing, I would love to see the possibility that there is anybody um, involved in sex work that is trans to maybe talk about it in terms of the Day of Empowerment. Um, and to talk about what it means um, and what trans people, honestly, what they will do in order to support themselves and in order to basically take that next step um, in a society that doesn't always allow or want us to take that next step. And the Day of Empowerment, we have people from you know EEOC and um, different speakers from all walks of life that, that are going to be there talking about all different facets um, of that aspect. This year, we're hoping to add a new day called the Day of Advancement. That's all about work. And it's not only about, like, how do you transition at work. It's also a celebration of some of the most wonderful and amazing trans people in the metro area that have really kind of, they're kicking butt in the work world, and to have them talk a little bit about what their experiences are and show how that can be done. Then we also have the Day of Artivism, which is coming up next, is going to be the next one. And that's really just a big I don't know how to describe it, just other than a big, fun celebration of art from transgender, non-gender variant individuals from like all over Metro Detroit. 
and they literally are going to take uh, affirmations and just turn it into one giant art gallery. Um, it's a pretty fun and pretty amazing day. And, and then that's, that's I, performance art. That's all kinds of art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not, you, you, it's not going to be just paintings hanging on the wall. There's going to be people to listen to, people to watch, um, people to interact with. And it's, it's, like Hannah said, it's going to be a really, really fun and uplifting day. And, mm-hmm. Michelle, the other things we have going on that are, like, all the time on, um, obviously we have a support group at Affirmations for people in the trans community called Transitions 2.0. That's on Monday night. Um, if Diane and I can get our schedules in order, we'll be back for another voice lesson class. Um, and then also uh, GNA, Transistors of Color, and the ACLU actually have a grant, and they're all working together to help transgender individuals get their names changed so they can also get their gender changed on their paperwork with the Secretary of State. So we're helping um, underwrite the cost for people that are asking for their passport cards. So that's kind of exciting mm-hmm. too. So we do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I've had um, recently I had a, uh, an opportunity to talk to Andrea Jenkins, who is doing a trans oral history project as part of the Treader Collection out of the University of Minnesota. And one of the things that she was talking about was to make sure that we don't lose this history of the things that have happened. And I know that having known Michelle Fox Phillips and I knew Jamie, I mean, this is part of the history in Detroit. Uh, is GNA, are you chronicling any of, of what you're doing so that later on people can come back and see, see this history? It's funny that you bring that up because when I walked in the house <laughs> tonight, um, I, Diane was sitting there with her head buried in a PowerPoint. I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm working on a couple different timelines of history chronologies for trans people. Mm. I was mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? And she's like, look, this is how I'm envisioning it. Um, and we've talked about maybe displaying some of these items, possibly even in like one of the days or you know, like making an exhibit as well. But no, you're right. Um, being here with, with Michelle Fox Phillips, I mean, geez, it's uh, – yeah, her and Rachel Grant. I mean, you talk about like the history of trans in Detroit. They, in a lot of ways, they were kind of on the front lines of so many different fronts. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, you know, I think I have been particularly thinking about it because I know that um, not only with, with the, pro- the project that they're doing, uh, and I don't know if there's someone here in Michigan who would be have that type of of call to want to gather that history, but um, I know. Hopefully, I've suggested some names here in Michigan that, that hopefully Andrea will be able to come here and, and interview to have this oral history. But I think how great it would be, especially because you have people who go, oh, I don't know anybody trans. I've never met anybody trans. And you yeah. probably have. <laughs> you, know, you, you probably <laughs> have. <laughs> well said. You know, you I have to say, I was surprised, Michelle, but like the Metro Detroit area has a really rich LGBT history, um, much deeper than I might have expected, like moving here from the West Coast. You think, oh, I'm in Detroit. Uh, not so. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, you know, the people who you hear, and many of them have relocated, but there's that there's strong history that has, has occurred here. Well, That's true. my my sisters, our time has come to an end. I have so enjoyed um, talking with you. Can you give us 
uh, ways for people to contact GNA. Absolutely. Um, and Diane, please, uh, you know, chime in if I miss something here. But um, I would say the, the easiest way is to just look us up, and, and it's just Gender Identity Network Alliance. You can find us on Facebook. Um, we are a nonprofit, and we are volunteer and donation-driven. So um, if you'd like to reach out to us from, yeah, okay, anything from the donation all the way to you'd like to be a volunteer or you'd just like some more information or how to get involved locally, um, literally you can just chat through right there, just push the button, and uh, somebody will get back to you probably fairly quickly. So. <laughs> Or if, you're a member of, or if you're a member of the LGBT or trans or gender variant community and you've been looking for a place to go, um, either on a holiday or a place that uh, will help you learn how to be a better person or learn how to advance yourself and feel better about yourself or just a place to have fun and relax, look us up because we have a lot of events that we've been talking about. We have other events, um, fun and educational and we would love to have anybody. And for the days of advancement, artivism, empowerment, will you do, um, they'll find that on the Facebook page or will there be yep. events for that? Okay. There will, um, be, uh, there will be events pages and um, I know like for Day of Remembrance, you can type the name of the event in or you mm -hmm. can just go to our homepage and that's probably the easiest and uh, everything will be listed there as they come available. And I will tell you, I'm looking at the page right now. Anyone who is, I mean, I know that changing your, uh, the gender on your driver's license or having ID that matches, it is also very important during these crazy times. And the passport <laughs> well said, card, I mean, I mean, that's, that's just, we'll just call it crazy times. I um, agree. You know. Um, right there on the page, there is information on how you can get your passport card. There's also information, I know that many people have heard about the Gavin Grimm case. There's a little information about, about that too. So there's a wealth of information right there. There's a phone number, Michelle Fox Phillips, email address is there. Someone will get back with you because we are in, in strange times, as many advancements that have happened, there have been steps back. And there's time now to be bold, to be brave, to be vigilant, and to be together as a community. So I want to thank you both again for sharing your story. Um, I can't wait to see the dress. I saw it was kind of blurred. I, can't, I want to see the dress. I, I want okay, to say yes that to the dress. I'll text that, you that was mine. I, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't let Hannah post a picture of mine. I made her blur it out. So uh -huh. yeah, so we want to say yes to the dress. Um, yep, we do. Be the Easter brunch is coming up, so bring a dish or just bring yourself and a. Thank you, Michelle. Thank, thank you. you again, and I will. Cool. Okay. Thank I want to thank tonight's guest. Hannah Hartley, and Diane Schultz. And I want to thank you, our listening audience. You can listen to the show each week by following the Collections by Michelle Brown podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. 
Be sure and like our Facebook page and watch for the events. Mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. That's all for today. Join us next week when I will introduce you to another amazing individual who's living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. That's right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.